The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Statement from Associate Head Coach Tasha Butts, former Lady Vol basketball player, currently at Georgia Tech, was previously at LSU. In a statement from Tasha Butts, she says, in November I was diagnosed with an advanced stage of breast cancer. While I am still processing this life-changing diagnosis and learning how to deal with it day to day, I have full confidence in my team of doctors with the treatment plan that I have put forth and I have already begun. The tremendous amount of support I have received from my family, close friends, and Georgia Tech family has made these past few weeks a little more bearable and easier. This has not been an easy discovery. At age 39, I never thought I'll be sitting here dealing with this disease. But I have full confidence in my doctors, my faith, and who I am, and who I was taught to be, which is a fighter. I want to and hope to be an example and inspiration for others who may be experiencing the same thing. Through my process, I've learned that the early detection is the best possible approach. I strongly encourage everyone to be fully aware of any any symptoms or red flags they may experience and go see a doctor. Early detection can offer someone peace of mind such a life-changing event. This is a life-changing experience for me. The number one priority for me right now is to take care of myself through treatment and surround myself with people that will take care of me to the same degree. I have incredible support system at Georgia Tech that I am grateful for. While undergoing treatment, I will be here at Georgia Tech and in full support of our program as I can be. I am blessed to be surrounded by a Georgia Tech community that fully supports me, and I am grateful to have them on this journey. Um... So, Lady Vol, Tasha Butts, uh, diagnosed with um, advanced stage of breast cancer. And this one hits, whoo, this one hits different because um, I, I look at Tasha like a big sister. I was a freshman when uh, she was a senior. And <clears throat> when LSU came into town a couple of years ago, Tasha is... The reason why we were, you know, brought in and um, me and my daughter, and we got a chance to kind of view the LSU warm-ups and Ariana was right there. My, my oldest daughter was right there in the player circle um, with them when, when Nikki Fargus was, was the coach. And they hooked my daughter up with T-shirt, poster, and even to this day, like my daughter still knows the players on the team. LSU and keeps up with those players because of the experience that they, you know, gave gave my oldest. Um, this is tough. Yeah, this is this is this is tough. I hadn't been told my daughter yet because I didn't want to tell her before before school. Um, but it's gonna be tough when she does find out because, you know, she looks at she looks at Tasha like auntie. 
And um, I know Tasha was in pursuit of, of, of being a head coach. Uh, and that was something that she was really close to, to being. Man, this one, this one hits. This one hits. And so we just, man, we just lift her up in prayer. We just send her positive vibes and thoughts. And uh, there's a lot of people right here in Tennessee just thinking about you, Tasha, that love you and here for you. And, um, and cancer sucks. We've all lost someone to cancer or known someone that's battled uh, this ugly disease. And we know the... Um, The attention that's being brought to cancer, especially right now in college basketball with uh, Dickie V Foundation and the tournament that Tennessee just played in up in New York um, for you know, raising money for cancer research. We've seen cancer doesn't discriminate color, gender, what you believe in, or, uh, your faith. doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't, it doesn't care. I've lost a really close family member in the last two years to stomach cancer, and it came and went like a thief in the night. And um, it's it's tough. So we can we just we just love you, Tasha, and I haven't reached out reached out yet. I, I will when it's appropriate. I just feel like right now, man, she, she is, um, man, this is, this is, this, I wouldn't, I wasn't expecting this one at all, but I just wanted to make sure everyone was, was, was aware of one of our own, uh, is in a battle and, and needs us. So 865-255-03. Last break we talked about, we were talking about recruiting and the receiver position, so I'm going to Go back to the text box. Vol from Charlotte says, thank you so much for informing me on recruiting. I used to be a stargazer, but now I look at FEM. We have a very still a skilled class uh, this far. Very excited. Yeah, happy to, happy to help and provide some, some, some insight there. I think you do yourself a favor when you, when you go and watch players' FEM. And go and look at Squirrel White's film, like R.T. Vall, who said, um, got a chance to watch Squirrel White's film, elite feet separation isn't all about strength. Yeah. Quick feet eats. You don't have feet, man, you will not create separation. And that's what it's all about. The strength is important, being able to fight through, you know, contested you know, throws, uh, contested catches, uh, that's super, super important. Speed is super important when you're able to create separation on vertical routes. But the ability to stop, change direction, use someone else's momentum against them, ain't nothing like it. And you ain't got to be the biggest dude or the fastest guy on, on the field to, to create separation. And Square White has elite, elite feet. And we don't have anybody on our squad that, can, that has feet like Square White. And that's what I meant last segment when I was talking about that. 
Uh, Nelson from Jackson says, linebacker is the number one need, especially since we are expecting Mitchell to not be here. Uh, Banks never came off the field. Hey, you know we got work to do when it's a legitimate debate of which position group is the number one need between defensive line and linebacker. I'll always look at defensive line in this conference as being a slight favorite over linebacker. Like, you know, even if the numbers are equal, like, all right, man, you got, you got four vacancies, both group. I'm always going to go defensive line because without defensive line, you ain't getting any pressure without blitzing. You're not winning in the SEC. You're not winning, period. And you look at the receivers this past season and how I mentioned they had their career years for Tennessee to do what they did on offense. Well, Tennessee's defensive line, we had a bunch of dudes that had their career years as well. Career years. Matthew Butler, Jaquan Blakely. Mm-hmm. Amari Thomas really started to mm-hmm. develop into a, a, a real playmaker. I th- I'm excited about him next year. Mm-hmm. So it starts up front. I'm always going to look at defensive line as more important than, than linebacker when the numbers are, are equal. But, yeah, we definitely need linebacker as well. Yeah, I, I'm still sticking to my opinion of the the entire defense. Every single <laughs> – Yeah, that's e- Every we, – we need – That's safe. Uh, a pass rusher. We need I, – I think it would be really beneficial to go out and, and try to find the correct Juwan Mitchell – this offseason to push Jeremy Banks and Aaron Beasley. I I think you need to go get a corner. I think you need to go get a safety. Heck, I think you need two edge rushers, quite frankly. I I just – well, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about edge rusher and maybe – I mean, do you think one sufficient? Because you got Byron Young on one side. Um. Tyler Barron, Roman Harrison. I, I personally don't think that they're – where I thought they would be at this point in their career, I thought that they would be further along. Like, the way I view them, like, I go into next season knowing that I can count on Byron Young. You can pencil him in. He is going to be productive next season. I, I can't do that with Roman Harrison or Tyler Barron at this moment in time. That's fair. So I, I would go at least get one edge rusher and – Somebody that can push them, and then, and then maybe a interior defensive lineman like a Caleb Tremblay that that, that can help replace Matthew Butler and Jaquan Blakely. Yep. Uh, Jason from the Borough asked if we forgot about linebacker. No, we didn't forget about linebacker. I just Lime- said linebacker. Yeah, linebackers. Do we forget about inside linebackers? Nope. Ain't forget about linebackers. This is not a conversation of, oh, this, this group is – is definitely the biggest need because we're just good at this group. No, it's it's a conversation about, like you just said, Ben, the entire defense needs help. But you have zero shot in this conference if you don't have a defensive line. Zero. Because it starts up front. Mm-hmm. Period. Stopping the run, helping the defensive backs in coverage by getting pressure on the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it starts it starts up front. Starts up front. And, and like, I think Tennessee has addressed those positions that I just mentioned on defense. I think that they have addressed them well in this recruiting class with guys that can develop into really good players here. But the problem with, with being stuck in a situation to where you 
you have to go get developmental players because of the NCA investigation and everything that we've detailed for months now is is that they're more than likely not going to be ready to play from day one. Like Jordan Thomas, Christian Harrison. I like those pickups. Christian Harrison at, at corner. Jordan Thomas at safety. But to to do what you did this year, next year, or even be a little better next year, you guys you, you need guys that can bridge the gap until Christian Harrison, Jordan Thomas are, are ready to to be really productive players at this level. Morvin Joseph's off the edge. Darren Agu, if if you are able to flip him from Vanderbilt. Uh James Pierce, if he is academically okay to sign during the early signing period. Like those are really intriguing prospects, but you need somebody that can bridge the gap. I mean, even right now, you, you don't really have any inside backers um, coming in. You've got Elijah Herring, but they view him more, more as an edge guy. Caleb Perry, the, the three-star from Kentucky, uh, he, he's very athletic, very versatile, capable of lining up at, at multiple spots at, at linebacker. He kind of reminds me of a, a quicker Aaron Beasley. Uh, six foot four, two fifteen. So I, I don't really know what Tennessee has planned for him. Whether they view him as another edge guy or whatnot, but they don't have a bona fide inside linebacker coming in. Uh, e- even the defensive lineman Jordan Phillips, uh, like they they have intriguing prospects at positions of need coming in, but you can't count on them to play from day one. You just can't. It doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, basketball you can. Go sign somebody that can come in and play right away. Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler are immediately fixing Tennessee's point guard issues <laughs> um, or, or lack of true point guard that it had last season. Tennessee's unfortunately not in a position from a football standpoint to go out and, and recruit instant impact guys right now. But that's what the portal's for. Uh, Jordan says Walker Merrill is going to take off next season. I like Walker Merrill a lot. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Big Ben said he caught the tail end of the square white conversation. Why are we wondering if he may come now? Uh, is he not solid? It's because Georgia and Alabama recruited him. So there's a possibility that he may not be in this class. But, you know, Georgia like him. Alabama likes him. ATF VFL says we need a Waddell Robinson type transfer. I agree. I agree. That would be ideal to go out and get a, a first, second round receiver. I know, right? <laughs> How many to- players total need to be added? <laughs> need to be or can about, be? About 40. <laughs> <sighs> they, they can obviously sign the 25. And, and then this new transfer rule kind of confuses me in terms of how many transfers you can add that that won't count against your signing class uh it's up to seven so uh, as long as tennessee has seven guys to transfer out they can go get um seven transfers from the portal and add to this class on top of the 25 that they sign and right now you've got harrison bailey brian mauer tyon evans t hodge Carlin Fields and me, Morvin Joseph, that's three, five, six. Um, but I also don't – I'm not 100% sure. Like T. Hodge, Brian Maurer, Harrison Bailey, Morvin Joseph, 
they all announced that they were entering the portal. Tyon Evans as well. All announced that they were entering the portal during the season. I don't know if, if that counts towards that seven that you can go sign. Is it seven transfers after the season that you can go replace, or are you also allowed to tra- to, to replace the transfers that transfer within the season? Yep. That's nope. a little murky to me. Yeah, the, pr- the proposal um, before it was ultimately passed was um, put in place that will allow programs to sign up to seven additional players in a class to replace up to seven transfers. So, but that's a good question for you. I mean, in season, out of season, how does that work? I think that's the one thing I hate most about my job is the numbers. The number situation. How many is Tennessee going to sign? How many can Tennessee sign? What's the deal with the new transfer rule? How many extra guys can sign based off of this, based off of that? I think that's the one question that I just do not like to deal with. And, and it's, it's a fair question. I just There's so many different quirks and rules and a lot to keep up with. Hard to, to keep sorted out. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Maybe just ask Austin, man. Austin has all the answers when it comes to that stuff. Austin knows all. He knows it all, man. 865-255-03. Hour 3 is powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Stay with us. Hour 3 of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. Good morning, Swain Event crew. Fall is here, and according to the big box stores, it's Christmas time, too. This time of year is traditionally a busy one for the East Tennessee real estate market, and it will continue through the end of 2021 as well. Most people think the holidays aren't the right time to buy and sell. However, it is one of the best times to jump in the market. To find out more, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, Keller Williams Realty, at 865-257-7897, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. And go Vols! JC's Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. JC's will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with a fly-by-night service. JC's Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. Give them a call at 865-599-3799. Litter is a big problem in Tennessee, but together we can do big things. We can make our cities, our waterways, our roads cleaner and safer. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is committed to reducing litter in our communities, but we need your help to do it. There are over 100 million pieces of litter in our roads at any given time, and it costs TDOT about $19 million a year just to clean it up. The first step to keeping Tennessee beautiful is to rally behind these three simple words. Nobody trashes Tennessee. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. 
Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Hour 3 of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. At Iris Networks, we know that business communication solutions are critical to your success. Since 1998, we've been helping businesses in East Tennessee by providing reliable and affordable high-speed fiber internet and voice solutions. That's why Iris Networks is your Tennessee communications partner. With internet speeds up to 100 gigs and work-from-anywhere solutions like mobile apps, video conferencing, and file sharing, we make sure you can stay connected to your customers and great communities we live and work in. Iris Networks, because just like you, Tennessee is our home. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. Hello, is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. What are you doing? Calling around to get the best rate on a car loan. Why? Everyone knows Alcoa 10 is the best choice to purchase a vehicle or refinance your current loan. And with low interest rates and 90 days to your first payment, it's a no-brainer. You can even apply online and sign all the documents from the convenience of your home. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Alcoa 10 Credit Union. It's so easy. Go to ATFCU.com for details. Rates are dependent on credit score and equal housing lender. I just wanted to come by and congratulate you on the great work you've been doing. I like your style. You remind me of a young me. Failure is not an option. That boy is good. Fools remind yourself. Nobody built like you. You design yourself. Attaboy. Attaboy is brought to you by Made in Tennessee Business Fiber Internet from Iris Networks. Find business solutions for you at irisnetworksusa.com. Iris Networks, irisnetworksusa.com. 
High quality, reliable, fiber internet and voice. 90 days, no payment for business internet. Brings us Attaboy here on the program. We'll highlight positivity. Giving people a nice pat on the backside for their good good work. Who gets that pat on the backside today? Valus Jones. We talked about it earlier in the show during Around the SEC. But yesterday, Valus Jones was named the SEC Co-Special Teams Player of the Year. Jones is the second UT player to be named SEC Special Teams Player of the Year in program history, joining Evan Berry, who won it in 2015. Jones, who shared this year's award with Alabama's Jamison Williams, was named to the coach's All-SEC First Team as an all-purpose player and a return specialist on Tuesday. He is just the second Vol to earn All-SEC First Team accolades since 2016, joining Trey Smith, who won All-SEC First Team accolades in 2019 and 2020. Bellis Jones was one of Tennessee's top weapons this season. Swain mentioned this earlier, but Bayless was the only player in the country with 700-plus receiving yards, 500-plus kickoff return yards, and 200-plus punt return yards. He ranks third in the SEC in all-purpose yards, averaging 126.3 yards per game. He led the SEC in punt return average at 16 yards per punt return. Let go! And ranks second in kickoff return average at 28.1 yards. His 2,851 career kickoff return yards leads all active FBS players. He was named the co-special teams player of the week after recording his second kickoff return for a touchdown in Tennessee's win over South Alabama. And then a week later, he returned a punt return for a touchdown against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was also named the Senior Bowl, a Senior Bowl All-American on Wednesday as well as a punt returner. So attaboy to Bayless Jones. He had a tremendous season. I can't wait to see what he does at the next level. Yeah, big Bayless Jones fan, man. Big fan. Remember I told y'all last year, I was like, uh, why, why, why he not getting the ball more? It, it was... It was a mystery to me. Why is he not getting the ball more? He's he's Tennessee's best receiver. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And then it took this staff a little bit to figure that out too. It took him a little bit. They didn't feature him the way not they the featured first him of the year. No, they didn't. They and didn't. and shout out to Alex Golish because he he practically admitted that he said. I can't remember when he said it. I think it was in November, maybe end of October. I can't remember. But he said that it took them a little longer than he would have liked to settle on the the personnel, the starters that they could rely on. Yep, he did say that. And that when he said that, that was all you need to know about some of those young receivers and young players that were playing early but stopped playing, that they just couldn't be counted on right now. Um, but man. I thought of Joe Milton when he said that. I thought of Jimmy Calloway, Jalen Hyatt, and Valus Jones when he said that. Because mm-hmm. everything else on offense was I – mean, those were only really the changes from, from preseason. 
and that was and that's normal too because you have a new staff that's inheriting um, you know new players. And yes, you can try to create game situations in practice, but they still ain't the game. And you went with who you saw that was most consistent in practice, and they didn't do that during the game. You know, multiple times you gave them a chance after they didn't do it one time, and then you give them another chance, and they didn't step up. You got to move on. You got to go somewhere else. So that's what they did. But listen, man, I, I could have told you about Phyllis Jones. I've been saying Phyllis Jones for, for over a year now that he was Tennessee's best playmaker. Who um, is the better receiver entering the league, Cedric Tillman or Phyllis Jones? I think Vavis has a chance to be used like Cooper Cup and be be very, very productive. I think Vavis could be more productive than, than Tillman. Because for Tillman to be successful, he got to be like a Devontae Adams, play on the outside. And can he play on the outside consistently? I don't know. But I, I see Tillman being like a Juwan Jennings when he, when he gets there. How difficult will it be for Cedric, to prove that he can run all the routes that an outside receiver in the NFL does when he doesn't necessarily do that at Tennessee. It won't be it won't be difficult because if you can if you can if you can run fast as you can, be able to stop on dime and cut at forty five degrees in either direct either direction, you should be able to run any route. So they that's can, the, the basic yeah, man, get on the get the cones. Mm-hmm. Get on the cones. Change directions on the cones. And if you could do that, then you, sh- you should be able to run any route on the route tree. That's what it's about. We know that like this this office didn't do a lot of that. There's a lot of vertical, a lot of vertical routes, which hey, it's cool. But as long as either Cody Burns or you're doing it yourself, which you should be doing it yourself too, get on the cones. And this is a drill that's old as old as dirt that that still will help you be able to change directions. And that is a four cone drill. And you put a, the fifth one in the middle and you go M drill, you go W drill, you go box drill, you change directions. You go 45 degree angle on each side, each direction. And it is the mother of all receiver drills. That will help you get your hips down. That will help you be able to change directions, get in and out of your brakes as quick as possible. That's a drill that when I'm training a receiver, that we do we do that every day. And we do it every day before you even touch the ball. When I was used to evaluate receivers all, all across the country, we did that drill before any balls came out of the bag. Because the message was sent to them that – you don't get the ball until you earn the ball. You earn the ball by getting open. That's how you earn the ball. If you're out here slipping and sliding and falling, you don't deserve the ball, and you won't get the ball. The ball won't come your way if you slip and fall on the route, especially if it creates an interception. So to answer your question, yes, Ben, I think Senator Tillman can develop that part of his game and show the NFL scouts that he can run routes because he is going to put that work in during the summer. I have no doubt about that. Do you think he he has that skill set right now and it just needs to be refined? Yep. 
Like yep. you, you see the stopping on the dime. Yep. And I see his ability to run routes right now. Um, I want to say it was the Ole Miss game where it was third down and some change or second down some change. I'm not sure the down distance. But he was the only receiver. It was a heavy run formation, mm-hmm. and they went curl with him. And he created great separation versus a DB that's faster than him. He had about two or three yards separation. He caught it. And you know when Cedric Tillman catches a you know, curl or any type of route on the outside, he's going to stiff arm a DB. He did that, made a move, picked up extra two or three yards. I saw that route in person. He could run the curl routes. He can run the dig routes. It's whether or not they ask him to do it more and more and more and put it on film. But when scouts come to Knoxville, they'll see him do that in practice. They'll see his ability to be able to stop, change directions, running routes. They may not see it in the game, but they'll see it then. And then when he does his combine, when he does his pro day, they're going to make him do them. He's going to have to run a full route tree during combine and pro day. So he'll have plenty of opportunities to show that he can do it or, or if he can't do it. I happen to think that he will be able to do it. Would you consider him a good route runner right now? I would consider him one of the best route runners that we have, and I would consider him a, a, a good route runner that could improve. Do you think Javante Payton is an NFL receiver? Nelson from Jackson asks this on the text box. I think Javante Payton is an NFL receiver, but he has to be able to run routes and he has to be able to make tougher catches in, 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 in traffic. To, to my untrained eye, who knows very little about the receiver position, it seems like he is a one-trick pony. He has to prove that he's more complete. Do, do you see those traits of being a good route runner in him? If he puts the work in. Yeah, if he puts the work in. Sometimes you just don't you know what you don't know. So... I think it really depends on who he trains with, where he trains um, during his, his, his pre-draft you know, training. Some, some guys go out to Arizona. Some guys go to Atlanta. I've seen Houston. It's, it's, it's going to be really, really important that Javante gets with the right group of people that trains him because straight on speed is not a question for Javante. The question is, his ability to change directions and making tough catches and traffic and things like that. So I think anytime you have that, that speed, that four, four speed, you have a chance, but now you have to show the other parts of your game. And that's what Javante is going to have to do. Didn't, not a lot of numbers. I mean, not a lot of numbers. At a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of receptions. Yeah. Not a lot of numbers. I mean, in the touchdowns, NFL personnel is okay. Well, those were plays that were designed how many plays was – Did he make, like on him just being a, a really good receiver? How many How many Robert Meacham against Kyle plays did he make? Taking a hitch, making a couple guys miss, and then going the distance. Or did he make a play because it was schemed up to put him on a linebacker versus Florida? Like, How do you think they'll evaluate the opening touchdown against Kentucky when he caught just a simple – Simple screen. And they like had, that. That he, touchdown is more valuable than the touchdown against Florida. He, even though he had like three really good blocks in front of him and all he had to do was just run straight to the end zone? More impressive than, than the Florida touchdown. The, the, and the reason I asked that one about the Kentucky one is, again, because the blocking is what really sprung him mm-hmm. loose. It's not like he made a guy miss and, mm-hmm. and got to the end zone. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have that question. 
he has to answer about about his uh, his lateral quickness and you know catching the ball in traffic. Um, I wouldn't put money on Javante being drafted, but I would put money on Javante making the NFL roster and have an opportunity um, to make a practice squad and build his way up. The Tennessee thing, needs it. The thing the thing that's tough about Javante is he didn't he didn't catch punts like Callaway. That's what helped Callaway out a lot, and. Javante is going to have to be a really good gunner on special teams for him to make a team. Sure, it would be nice to see Javante and and Valus make a a roster because since he can put out a graphic with Jawan mm-hmm. Callaway, I know mm-hmm. CP's playing running back right now, but you can throw him on there. I mean, then Valus, Javante. I think he has a thou. Every time I tune into a Falcons game. He's toting the rock. A little toss sweep. The Falcons put up a graphic of, of, of Cordell doing something that no one else has done in the league. Let I feel like, am I missing a Tennessee receiver? Jawan, Marquez. Josh Palmer. Yes, Josh Palmer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Josh Palmer. So, I mean, you could, if Javante and Venus make an NFL roster next September, you could put a graphic out with six guys. Don't you dare do it. Why? Don't don't say what I think you're about to say. Why? Oh, I wasn't gonna say wide receiver. You? Oh, okay. Just I was just saying you can still put out a graphic. Just don't put no. Wide you can put it, you on can put a graphic. We got a lot of work to do before we, before we start talking about wide receiver. You? Hey, all I know is Cedric Tillman got the Joey Kent stamp of approval. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the graphic for uh, CP that the Falcons put out was a thousand yard season for CP. He's first career thousand yard scrimmage. Season so it's CP's first thousand yard scrimmage yard season. That's pretty strong. Yes, very strong. Arthur Smith finally figure out how to use CP. All these other guys didn't know how to do it. Vikings moved in the running back. Bears, Bears. I think I think CP was with the Patriots. He won Super Bowl with the Patriots. The Patriots uh, yes. beat the Falcons. He was he on was. that team. Oh uh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the phones. We got Turkey Man. Turkey Man. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, individual. I'm enjoying the conversation you got going on there. Thanks, sir. Bit cold I was wondering. I, I couldn't tell if I was imagining things or you sounded different. No. No, I've got a cold. Well, I hope on. you feel better, my friend. I hope so, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a couple of days now. Hey, uh, you're talking along the lines of receivers. Uh, how will the offense that that uh, we're running, how will, how will it affect – uh, the other, uh, like the offensive linemen, the, the tight ends, the uh, quarterbacks, so on and so forth, being looked at in the NFL. Because we're, we are a little different, apparently. We run a little different scheme. Uh, so how would they look at us and what we run in those, in those uh, uh, players on offense versus something like uh, – Ole Miss, uh, as close as I can think of. Uh, any different? Uh, well, any, any? Yeah, with Tennessee and Ole Miss, I, I would kind of look at us the same because of the tempo. Um, right. But it's going to be about how you win your individual matchups and can you win. That's what it's about. Can you win? Can you win against the guy in front of you? And if you can you know, win against players in front of you in this conference consistently, then you can play at the next level. And if you are coachable, if you are smart, um, if you are dependable, if football matters to you, if you're playing football for the right reasons, 
I think you can say, all right, Cedric Tillman, you didn't, you know, play in this pro style type of offense. You did play in a in a up tempo, uh, tempo type of offense, but you work your ass off. You're a good player. Uh, you're coachable. You're smart. We know you love the game. We can we can we can take your game and it can translate to the NFL. But if you are someone that solely relies on the tempo and you can't get open unless it's drawn up for you by Josh Heupel and you don't win one-on-one matchups but you got a bunch of catches, it ain't going to matter. If you got a bunch of tackles, it, don't, it ain't going to matter. Are you winning one-on-one matchups in this conference consistently? That's what it's going to be about, Turkey Man. How did it affect uh, uh, Florida players when Steve Spurrier was there versus uh, uh, say us? When, you know, in that era of the 90s? I mean, that's a good question, Turkey Man, because you look at those Florida players and, you know, the the receivers in that Florida era, and this hurts me because I looked up, up to these guys as superheroes, man. Like, I wanted to play receiver at Florida when Spurrier was there, and you had Rido Anthony, you had Chris Dore, and you had Jacques uh, Green. You had those boys, Ike, Hill, Ike Hilliard. Like, I wanted to be, like, one of those dudes. Um but notice those guys didn't have a long career in, in, in the NFL. I mean, they the system was built for them to be great at the college level. Um, but the pro level, you know, they didn't have a long career. But they still got you there. And what you do when you get there is on you. <laughs> so um, that was like that fun and gun passing offense where sometimes little receivers wasn't valued like they are now because you can put guys in a slot and still have success. But Florida's offense then still different now because, you know, it's, it's tempo-based. I think the, 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 the one position on offense that's going to be judged the most is offensive line and quarterback. Because, all right, offensive lineman, did you really win your battle? Because... You're better than the guy in front of you? Or did you win your battle because he just tired? Like Cooper Mays said that he preferred going up against Jordan Davis' backup more than George, Jordan Davis. No, excuse me. He'd rather go up against Jordan Davis rather than Jordan Davis' backup. And when you hear that, you're like, wait a minute. Jordan Davis is the best defensive tackle on that team. But tempo just wasn't <laughs> It wasn't his favorite because he's a big old boy. So that means that Cooper Cooper Mays is NFL ready because he had more success against Jordan Davis <laughs> than any other lineman. No, that's not what it means. So that's the questions that offensive linemen have to ask is, all right, how are you winning your matchups? Are you winning your matchups because you got good technique, you meet the measurables with long arms. You have a strong, violent pu- uh, punch. You're, you're flexible in the hips. Uh, you have, you know, great effort. You, you know, you finish the blocks. Like all these things that scouts judge an offensive lineman on. Do you pass those tests? Do you check those boxes with or without tempo? And quarterbacks will have to answer that question too. That's why I think Henry Hooker's decision whether to leave or come back is not as easy as, as what people may think because he has to answer those questions too. Like, 
are are you are would you be able to make those same plays and be the same player if we put you in a pro style offense? I don't know that answer. I don't know. Guess what email I just got? Rick Barnes talking to the media tomorrow. Yeah. Well, because I show. I don't get. I don't get no emails because you don't show up. I get emails about football. I don't know why. Oh, well, I'm not going to be able to go. I still see emails. It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern. At Thompson Bowling Arena. Is it Zoom? Mm, no, can, it's in person. Can you do Zoom too? Uh, No, just in person. All right. Sorry, man. Sorry, Rob Lewis. You'll have to handle the video tomorrow. Yep, you got it, Rob. Let's go, Robert. Robbie. I just hope Rob can wake up that early. Robbo. You got it, man. Got it. Dang. I mean, I just don't know what the media is going to do without me. I mean, I had all these tough questions lined up for the good deacon. I was going to get some answers on why I Justin Powell's only playing two minutes in the second half, why somebody, somebody why Brandon asked. Huntley Hatfield's not playing, and why why's Olivier taking a step back the last two games. Yeah. B- Big Bad Voodoo Nate says Megatron played in triple option Georgia Tech. He turned out pretty good, LOL. <sighs> yeah, let's name uh, one of the biggest freaks in the last 25 years of NFL history. Megatron didn't matter what offense he was going to play in. It didn't matter. Well, it speaks to your point about what you're talking about with Cedric Tillman. Yeah, I mean. Of like NFL folks saw what Calvin Johnson could do even within that triple option offense. And they'll do the same thing with, with Tillman. What's the story on him going to Georgia Tech? Do you know? From Atlanta. Is he? Mm-hmm. But I mean, was that like his only offer though? Because <laughs> how, how, how could you how could you be a receiver and how know, could you man. be a receiver and want to go play in that? Did Georgia Tech ever call you? Do you remember? Dude, I got I got recruited by every school. Every I, school. I know, but I was trying to see if you could remember your reaction when Georgia Tech called you. Well, Georgia Tech wasn't running that offense then. Oh, they weren't. Mm-mm. That's how old you are. No, that's how uninformed you are. How about that? <laughs> Calvin Johnson, 04. That's how young I was. Recruiting how about that? class. Well, he was a four-star. So if he signed up to go play in the triple option, doesn't that mean that? It wasn't triple option in 04. So it, Paul Johnson got there in the midst of Calvin Johnson's career? They got there in the midst of Demaris Thomas's career. Oh, so he wasn't there that far back. DeMarius Thomas. Calvin Johnson, 4 And who was his coach when he got there? Uh, maybe it's O'Leary, I want to say. Probably had to be O'Leary, I don't think. O'Leary was the one before. Where's Chip Payne and Rodney and Austell? I know y'all know. He had an offer from Georgia. He had an offer from Notre Dame. He had an offer from Miami. But he, he went to Georgia Tech. He chose Georgia Tech. Ugh. He was sixth rated in his position, 37th overall player in the country. Six four two ten out of uh, Tyrone, Georgia, Sandy Creek High School. He yeah, was just, George O'Leary. He was just off. George I, O'Leary. Well, they, they're not. There's a list that's weird on Wikipedia. Who's the coach, Ben? Come on, man. I don't know. It's listing it weird. Come on, Ben. Tell us. Oh, here we go. What year? Oh four. Oh, Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey, oh, the NFL guy. It was George O'Leary, then Mac McWhorter for a year. 
Chan Gailey. And then, uh, Chan Gailey from 2002 to 2007. NFL. I thought Paul Johnson was there more than 10 years. He was only there 08 to 2018. I thought he was there longer. I can understand Calvin Johnson going to Georgia Tech, man. You get Chan Gailey coming there and say, hey, man, I, NFL back, you know, background. So he didn't play in the triple option. Unless it was his senior year. It was it was uh it was Demaris Thomas that played in triple option. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I remember Demaris Thomas playing triple option. Yes, I do remember. I remember that Georgia one. Tech tried to put out a graphic. <laughs> about remember that? Yes. Remember that? Remember Georgia Tech tried to put out like a wide receiver U graphic? Yes. I was like, man, if y'all don't sit down somewhere with that. <laughs> What's worse, that or says he playing with wide receiver U with the graphic I mentioned earlier. No, we're claiming original wide receiver. Original wide receiver. Original. Original Larson. Rodney says that Calvin's mom wanted him at Tech due to the education. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense 100%. But no, Calvin did not play in triple option. But like, but the mayor's did. I remember the mayor. He was, he, he was, a, he was in a three-point stance at wide receiver on the, on the outside. <laughs> oh, that poor boy. Did hey. he even get into a three-point stance? My high school coach wanted me to try it. I was like, Coach, this is not it. Can't be coming out here lining up with my cool spat wristbands and cool gloves with my hand in the dirt on on the outside of wide receiver. This is not going to get it. No, this is not did, going to work. Did he ever try to play you at a different position? Yeah, running back. I play running back. I play safety. I played it all. So you played defense all high school? Played some, played some safety. Mm-hmm. Did uh, so, was there ever a conversation at Tennessee about playing a different position? No, never. They know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> they know better. Um, Demaris Thomas was, was was drafted by the Broncos in 2010. So Demaris Thomas and Calvin Johnson. Let's not mention apart. Demarius Thomas on the day that the Steelers are playing. Okay. Demaris Thomas made Tim Tebow look like John Elway. <laughs> oh man, Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue. Y'all have a great, great Thursday. Swain Event. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Peace and love. We are out.